Welcome back to our study of First and Second Samuel. This is week six, day three. We're looking at the last half of chapter two through chapter three today, just looking together at these principles of what happens in the midst of a transition, whether it's in your school, in your personal life, in your family life, in your business, in your church. What do you need to know? And this next one is one you need to know whether you're the leader in the transition or not. Every one of us as believers needs to understand this so we can pray during the transition, so we can seek God during the transition. Because the truth is, in any transition, the fifth principle is you expect conflict. Expect conflict in the transition because it's a transition. Everything's up in the air. And out of those times of everything being up in the air, there is some inevitable conflict that goes along with that. Now, what kind of conflict am I talking about? Well, David David is an example of that. We can just walk through it in this second chapter and third chapter of 2 Samuel. Others will claim leadership other than the one who's supposed to be the leader, that kind of conflict. Because of that, loyalties will be divided. Some people will be for this person and others for this person, that kind of conflict. Chapter 2, verse 8 to 11, but Abner, son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had already gone to Maaniah with Saul's son Ishbosheth. There, try to say that five times fast, by the way. Ishbosheth is his name. There he proclaimed Ishbosheth king over Gilead, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, and the land of the Asherites, and the rest of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he became king, and he ruled for Maenaim for two years. Meanwhile, the people of Judah remained loyal to David. David made Hebron his capital, and he ruled as king in Judah for seven and a half years. So here's others claiming leadership. Here's the loyalties that are being divided. And out of that, battles will happen. Now, for them, in a battle culture with armies and wars going on all the time, there's very clear battles. Chapter 2, verse 12, down to verse 17. One day, Abner led Ishbosheth's troops from Maaniah to Gibeon. About the same time, Joab, son of Zeruiah, led David's troops out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. And the two groups sat down there facing each other from opposite sides of the pool. Let me just pause there and say, what a picture of this conflict that happens when we're in the midst of a transition. You're facing each other down, opposite sides of the pool. Who's supposed to be the leader? What's supposed to happen? Then comes the battle in verse 14. Then Abner suggested to Joab, let's have a few of Our warriors fight hand-to-hand right here in front of us. All right, Joab agreed. So 12 men were chosen to fight from each side. 12 men of Benjamin representing Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and 12 representing David. Each one grabbed his opponent by the hair and thrust his sword into the other side so that all of them died. All of them died. So this place at Gibeon has been known ever since as the Field of Swords. A fierce battle followed that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by the forces of David. When the leadership is in transition, everyone is trying to position themselves to be leader. Now, the battle for us is not gonna be as brutal or as clear as it is here. What a terrible battle. But there will be battles. Of course, there will be conflict. There are those who have their own ideas about who should be leader. There are those who have their own ideas about who should be the follower. And this happens in every arena of life. In a family, even in a family, forget business, forget church, forget government. In a family, children are always trying to position themselves to be in charge. In every transition, they would love to position themselves as we're the ones who set the rules. We're the ones who get to decide if we can eat ice cream. We're the ones who get to decide how late we can stay out at night. So every stage they go through, they're trying to transition themselves to be in charge. It starts when they're babies. 
the baby comes into the house, that transition, they try to be in charge. The way that they cry, when they cry, how they cry. I understand some of those tears are just that they're hungry. But how long does it take them to learn that they can control you with their cry? And they begin to try to, they begin to try to be the leader in your home. So this is not something that happens just in companies. It happens in every single family. And in that family, you're to be the leader as the mom or dad. The principle here is just because God has chosen you to be the leader does not mean someone else will not claim to be the leader. They absolutely will for all kinds of reasons. Seemingly positive reasons, the loyalty to the past leader or love for those who are being led, and then clearly negative reasons, their own personal pride or ego. Battles are going to happen. Loyalties are divided. Others claim leadership. Conflict in the transition. But also out of that conflict, opportunities will arise. In the conflict, opportunities arise for you to show yourself as the leader, the one who has a heart for God. Those opportunities arise over time, and they also arise in certain circumstances. Over time, as you're faithful, as you continue to love, through the battle, through the struggles, God works. God works to establish your leadership. God works to establish your influence. Chapter 3, verse 1. That was the beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those loyal to David. As time passed, David became stronger and stronger, while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. So if you're in a battle in your company, if you're in a battle in your church, if you're in a battle in your family for leadership, as you're faithful to God over time in this battle, you become stronger and stronger. And those who are pushing in the wrong direction, those who are pushing out of their own ego, they become weaker and weaker. God uses it as sort of a filtering process. Over time, this happens, but also it's important to understand even in specific circumstances, this happens. You never know what kind of an event or circumstance the Lord might use to establish your leadership in the transition. For David, it was Ishbosheth accusing Abner, his general, of sleeping with one of his father's concubines. And out of that, Abner gets so angry, he decides to support David. In chapter 3, verse 6, as the war between the house of Saul and the house of David went on, Abner became a powerful leader among those loyal to Saul. One day, Ishbosheth, Saul's son, accused Abner of sleeping with one of his father's concubines, a woman named Rizpah, a daughter of Aiah. Abner was furious. Am I some Judean dog to be kicked around like this, he shouted, after all I've done for your father Saul and his family and friends by not handing you over to David? Is this my reward that you find fault with me about this woman? May God strike me and even kill me if I don't do everything I can to help David get what the Lord has promised him. Abner says he's going to make David king. Now notice, he doesn't deny what happened. He did commit this sin, but he thought he he deserved to commit this sin. He says, I'm going to make David king. And then he goes to meet with David and tell him he's going to become the king. So this maybe is how God's going to make David the king. But no, it's not going to happen that way. He goes to meet. And then Joab, the leader of David's army, who isn't there, finds out Abner came. And he thinks that Abner came to spy and not support David. So he chases Abner down on his way home and he kills him. This this potential friend, he kills him. So what's David going to do? This is a great test of his leadership in this moment. He wins the hearts of the people, not with his sword, but with his tears. David decides to openly mourn the death of Abner, not act like it never happened, not support Joab, 
In fact, he says, this is on your head, not on mine. But he decides to mourn. Listen to what happens in verse 31. Then David said to Joab and all those who were with him, tear your clothes and put on burlap, mourn for Abner. And King David himself walked behind the procession to the grave. They buried Abner in Hebron. And the king and all the people wept at his graveside. Then the king sang this funeral song for Abner. Should Abner have died as fools die? Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not chained. No, you were murdered, the victim of a wicked plot. All the people wept again for Abner. David had refused to eat anything on the day of the funeral. And now everyone begged him to eat. But David had made a vow saying, May God strike me and even kill me if I eat anything before sundown. This pleased the people very much. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. So here is David. This, this conflict was messy. All didn't turn out as David had hoped. Mistakes were made. Sins were committed. But David did not allow the battle to cause him to lose sight of the goal. And David did not lose his character in the battle. And out of that, he mourned. He mourned for Abner. And that's what won the hearts of the people that day. Again, those two things I just said. David did not allow the battle to cause him to lose sight of the goal. When you're in a battle for leadership in your family, in a company, in a church, sometimes all you can see is the battle. Don't lose sight of the goal. What God wants to do in your family, what God wants to do through your company, how God wants to change the world through your church, don't lose sight of that goal in the midst of the battle. It's not all about the battle. It's about what God wants to do. And secondly, don't lose your character in the battle. Others might, and that tempts you to lose your character. They start to say things or do things that God's word clearly says, don't do that. Build each other up. Don't tear each other down. They start to tear other people down. And everything in you wants to tear them down. It could even be your teenager who's tearing you down. And everything in you wants to tear them down for what they just said to you. Don't lose your character in the battle. Because you see in the example of David, he won this victory over the people because he continued to have a heart for God even in the midst of the mistakes and the sins and the realities of human life. What a lesson about how to be a leader in the midst of a transition. Our Father, as we pray, we ask that by your grace and through your power, when we're in the midst of transitions and there's battles going on with people around us, people we love, help us not to lose sight of the goal, the goal of eternity, the goal of what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, help us not to lose our character. Your Spirit's working within us you can give us strength that we don't have in ourselves to continue to love even when people around us aren't loving. Continue to be gracious even when people around us are being prideful. Lord, let your spirit empower us and let people know it's you and not us. And by that, let people be drawn to you, we pray, in our family, in our school, in our churches. Let them be drawn to you in our companies and our businesses. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to look at the danger of shortcuts and the value of commitments. <laughs>